When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Good Thursday morning to you. I needed to stop and think what day of the week is it. It's Thursday. Very good Thursday morning to you. John Paul is taking your calls at 0818 103 103. Texts and uh, WhatsApp's also available to you at 086 2103 103. Now, it seems we as consumers, we've cut back on our supermarket uh, spending. We're making fewer trips to, to the shops and What's really interesting in the latest survey out is we're choosing own brand goods. And this obviously is all to do with grocery inflation is soaring and it's now at its highest level at the inflation and grocery prices since August of 2008. So today we're asking, have you changed your shopping habits? Are you noticing that you're going to the supermarket less? Have you switched your brands? Are you now looking at own branded goods like you never would have looked at them uh, before? Is there anything in particular you've cut out? Is there something you used to always buy? And you think, no, I can do without that. And are you very conscious now of prices as you're walking around the supermarkets? I'm interested in, in your thoughts this morning. Please uh, share them with us. The latest figures are out from the research group Candar. Now, Candar, they take a look at our supermarket shopping and they do it month on month. And they say that consumer spending on take-home grocery sales was actually down by just over 3%. And that's the 12 weeks up to the 10th of July. Soaring inflation has already obviously affected consumer habits. And that's one of the reasons that they say people make fewer trips to the supermarket compared, say, to this time last year. Now, when shoppers do head to the stores we are embracing the own brand offerings like we never did before and seemingly sales have gone up in own brand products over the past 12 weeks. Shoppers are now spending 19 million more year on year on the own label goods and that's across all of the Irish uh, supermarkets and um, the all the supermarkets are saying they are seeing demand in some cases by more than a fifth for own brand products. So let me know if there's a particular own brand product that you always used to go for the branded one and you decided to go to own brand and you're not noticing any difference in the own brand except the big difference is they are much cheaper. There is of course fears of a global slowdown 
uh, are now hitting businesses and consumers in Ireland and that's obviously casting a shadow over hopes of spending our way into economic recovery. The business group IBEC, they say that consumers and customers are all pressing pause on spending and investment next year. Now, obviously, we've got the big worry because we've got spiking energy costs. We've got rising interest rates for people with mortgages to pay. There's bigger wage bills. There's new labour laws. And that's obviously all weighing down on firms. Some of those firms now are nervous about waning growth in their main export market. And because of that, IBEX says that the Irish economy now is very much at a turning point. Uh, Musgraves, they say demand for their own brand products. And of course, Musgraves operate, operate under the Supervalue and Centra brands. They say that they are seeing rising in their own brand products rising around 10% year on year. And while shoppers have opted to purchase the cheaper products, and people are doing that, obviously, to try to combat the ongoing rises in inflation. The Candor survey says the average price paid for each item has increased 6.3% in store. And I think anyone who does a weekly shop, if you are keeping a close eye on the prices, every single week you'll notice something else that's suddenly gone up in price. And of course, while one item might just go up by 20 cent, 30 cent, but it's the amalgamation of everything inside in the shopping trolley. If there's a bit added on to everything, then of course when you get to pay your bill, you're noticing that you're paying a lot more for your basket or your trolley load of shopping than you would have this time last year. And then of course what Candar always do when they take a look at how we're shopping in supermarkets, they rate where we're spending the most money. Tesco now is on the top spot as the most popular supermarket in Ireland and they have replaced Duns and Duns are normally in the lead on the supermarket battle for who's on top uh, and Duns actually have led for the last seven consecutive 12 week periods but they've been pushed out now by Tesco. Supervalue is in third uh, place with 21.5% of people shopping there and then the discount groceries are Lidl and Aldi Little of 13.5% and Aldi are the in uh, fifth place at 12.6%. Now, separate research then coming out from the Central Statistics Office. They're showing the inflationary spike is hitting older people, those who live on their own and those who rent from local authority. It's hitting them that the house the highest. And I'm really not surprised to read that any household with the lowest income they are the ones who are experiencing the highest inflation and that doesn't come I think as any surprise to anyone nor will it surprise people to hear that rural households are being hit harder by price surges than those people that live in larger towns or who live in cities. The June inflation rate that was at 9.1% uh, we, we have another few days to wait to see what the July inflation rate, but every single month the inflation rate has been going up and up and it is expected to go up again in uh, July. But while the June inflation rate was at just over 9%, it, the CSO say that some households are experiencing uh, inflation at more than 10% and it's the poorer households because the, they spend more of their overall income on energy and with higher income households, they're more able to absorb more easily the hikes in energy costs. They mightn't like paying the extra energy costs, but if they're higher incomes coming in, they're able to absorb absorb it. But it's the lower income households who are paying the most on energy, the ones that can least afford to do it. And the cost of energy, obviously, was one of the main drivers of inflation in the 12 months 
up to the 12th uh, up to uh, June of this year so your thoughts on your shopping habits and have you changed them as I say in any way but particularly on the branded uh, goods because some people used to be quite snobby about the brand the own brand goods I think Yellow Pack were probably the first of the own brand goods to come into this uh, country and there was a level of snobbery around it at the time it was almost poo-hooed oh who's going to buy the Yellow Pack uh, products but suddenly all of the supermarkets copped on and realised we can make money out of doing own brands and of course in some cases not all cases but in some cases the what's what's inside in the packaging in the own brand product can actually be what is exactly in the branded product in that the branded branded companies also make the goods for the own brand and then they're able to sell it at a cheaper rate. So your thoughts are welcomed on that. And then Ursula was listening to us yesterday from Balancolic and we did the piece about the school costs and back to school costs and I had Bernardo's on talking about how many families are struggling this year with getting children back to school. So Ursula uh, writes by emailing Patricia at c103.ie and she says we had to live during the 1980s and anyone who lived during the 80s will know what real recessions were uh, like. Ursula said we lost our house, we lost our jobs but we had to get up and start again and we did it without any help from government. I really don't understand why people today think it's always somebody else's responsibility to dig them out. Times are hard but surely we should all just try and get by. We don't all have to have the same uh, lifestyle. So Ursula making the point that in the 80s when families were really struggling they were also faced with back to school uh, costs and there wasn't there certainly wasn't anything like the back to school clothing and uh, footwear allowance and families just had to uh, get on with it. Some of your thoughts coming in on own brand products uh, James and Glamour said in their households they were very snobby when it came to cornflakes and a particular brand of uh, cornflakes. So James said I changed the bag to an own brand but just put the bag into the branded cornflakes box guess what not one person noticed any difference and yet if you probably told them it was own brand they'd all be going oh they're disgusting they don't taste like the real cornflakes and Sheelin from Moy says she switched on tea now this is this I'm interested in this one Sheila because people can be very very particular about their tea brand Sheila has switched tea to the super value gold blend tea and she finds it as nice as the gold blend branded tea that she had been using but obviously big difference in the price she's also used the Aldi's own brand tea and finds both of them absolutely perfect I don't know tea is a big one now tea and coffee I think are two that people can be quite particular about but Sheila made the switch and she is saving the money somebody else is wondering uh, would love to switch to an own branded washing powder are the liquid tabs you know for the washing machine or the liquid for the washing machine I've always stuck with the one brand says this texture but it is gone really really expensive particularly when you compare it to the own brand washing powder on the shelf has anybody else made that switch and found a difference does it still wash the clothes as well as the branded washing powders your thoughts on that if you did make the switch on that particular one 0818103103 and Neem says Trish I could buy Roundup weed killer 
5 litre container for 30 euro it has gone up to 123 euro that is a huge jump goodness me uh, Liam that really is expensive I can hear Peter Dowdle in my ear saying tell Liam to stop using Roundup and to stop using uh, stop using weed uh, killer but that's a massive massive jump indeed thank you for your text Liam to 0862 103 103 and Liz in near Kinsale says morning Patricia I'd say you'd need to get onto the weather forecasters there when I read out the weather forecast I said it would be a mostly dry day today with a mix of cloud and sunny spells Liz said you'd want to check in with Met Aaron on that. I've been looking out the window uh, when you said mostly di- mostly dry. It's lashing mist. Never heard mist described as lashing down, but I know exactly what you're talking about. That type of misty rain that would soak you if you got cut out in it without an umbrella or a coat on. It's lashing mist here in Riverstick near Kinsale, and it's been like that since I got up. Says Liz. Well, hopefully that mixture of cloud and sunny spells, Liz, is on its way to you in Kinsale. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to oh eight six two. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Irish people's social lives are so intertwined with alcohol that it's very hard to differentiate one from the other. That was according to an opinion piece written by David Marr in the Irish Independent earlier this week. To discuss this, I'm joined on the programme by writer, broadcaster and mental health advocate uh, Keith Welch, who joins me. Good morning to you, Keith. Uh, sorry, I'm on the wrong, wrong fader. Sorry. Good morning, Keith. Morning, morning. You're, have you got me now? I have indeed. You're very welcome to the programme. <laughs> now, you d- you decided, this happened actually before lockdown, to give up alcohol for 100 days. So I suppose, take me back. What prompted you at the time to say, look, I'll give up alcohol for 100 days? Well, uh, I was do- I was thinking about, I had kind of had a busy year coming up ahead of me. A lot of changes going on. Um, I'd started actually going to see a therapist. So it's kind of like, thinking you know what i'm going to take a break and i and in my head i was like i'll do dry january you know post christmas sort of like uh dry january and then i thought like january it's a month uh i was reading a little bit about um kind of booze and giving up and, and like the problem with giving up for january is that like january is like a very dark month christmas is just finished you're feeling a little bit down lots of people don't have money so it's not a great month to give up because like your impression of life without alcohol, if you give up in January, is of misery. Like <laughs> the days are short, it's dark, nobody's going out, nobody has any money. So that when you come away from dry January, you're just like, well, that was miserable. I didn't do anything. I didn't experience anything. So that was kind of on my mind. I thought, well, what if I push it out and I do 100 days? Now, honestly, I didn't know how long 100 days was. I know I should, <laughs> and that sounds weird. But I was thinking... I was thinking 100 days, that's in around St. Patrick's Day, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so that would be perfect. Uh, you know, it's like January, February and like kind of half of March. Well, actually, 100 days brings you right into you know, <laughs> April. Like it's, it's a good chunk of the year, you know. Um, so I set myself the challenge of giving up booze for 100 days and, uh, and, and I did it. And then and, and just part of that was like when I got into... Uh, February, March, April, and the days started getting brighter and longer, and people started emerging. Probably not so much because, like you know, um, around St. Patrick's Day the lockdown happened. But anyway, but but in February I experienced this sort of you know a less January feeling. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, 
there was a bit of money people were were, were doing stuff we were going out we were having you know we were, we were um yes yeah, spring like has arrived yeah. yeah 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 so it was different it felt that you know i was like oh this is nice this is, this is okay i can do this uh and then yeah into april and obviously lockdown happened then around st patrick's day and I was locked down in the house, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to keep doing the hundred days." And once, once I was in lockdown, I was like, "Well, I'm not going. I'm definitely not going to start drinking now because, you know, anything could happen." Because I used to work on breakfast radio, and I didn't drink during the week as a rule. And then when when lockdown happened, I wasn't working on breakfast radio anymore, and I was like, "If I start drinking now, you know, I can drink every day if I want." You know, there was no, I had no reason to kind of not drink every day. You know, I didn't have a sort of a strict working regime. You know, so. I was worried then at that stage, so I said, look, I'm just going to keep going through the lockdown and see how I get on. And have you stayed off it? Yeah, I haven't yeah, drank now. Yeah. And I don't know how long it is. I think it might be two and a half years, but it could be. I, I actually, I don't even know, like, since lockdown, I don't even know. I think it was 2019 when I started. And so, like, yeah, two and a half years or something I haven't drank uh, since. And that's like, you know, the world emerging again people going back to the office people going back out for work drinks and all that kind of stuff and getting back to normal and yeah still still haven't but when uh, when you when you went out socializing and and maybe it's still the uh, the case now and you're not what's the attitude of people around you well look at um look to be honest with you i'm a bit older so like you know i think when you're young it's probably hard like people are probably questioning you and 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 people are probably a little bit like, oh, come on. Like, it's like you're ruining the buzz for everybody else if you're not drinking because people want to get loose and they want to have crack and they want to know that you're not, that no one's going to remember what happened the next day. Do you know what I mean? And it's that kind of feeling. And I think some people are a little bit like, do you think you're better than us? Like, that you can just not drink and, and like, and, and work and, and we're like sort of dependent on it, you know? And people kind of feel a little bit sort of like put out that way. But, Look, my wife drinks and I'm fine with people drinking and I actually am happy to be around people if they're having a drink or whatever. And so it doesn't really bother me. And I'm 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 quite an independent person. So it's not like I need to feel like I need to explain myself. And I never would. And if I like if I wasn't having a drink, I'm just not having a drink. And, and I would have had time before where I just didn't drink and I never felt the need to explain myself. And I think when you get into trying to explain yourself to people, you know, it's just, you don't need to explain yourself to people. Just don't have a yeah. drink. And yeah. if people well, don't get it, yeah. you know, it's, it, well, it's I know thing of like, oh, I'm not. When, when yeah. I mentioned, uh, when I, w- I was chatting with some people, I mentioned that I was going to be talking to you about this. And it was a, a group of females. And they, they, they certainly for, for women and for younger women, if they go out and suddenly they, they don't drink, it's like, are you on an antibiotic? Uh, no, no, I'm not on an antibiotic. Mm-hmm. Are you pregnant? And pregnant, there's this yeah. pressure put on people Oh, you have to have a drink. You you, mu- you you must have a drink. Yeah, look, it's 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 just the way. Like, it's just a thing. It's it's in our society. Like, it's it, it's just the way it is. For me, definitely, growing up, like we went to the pubs with you know friends, family. It was it was the central. It, it like pubs represented good times. You know, uh, like the smell of the pub. When I when I used to walk past a pub, I loved the smell of a pub, and it would almost draw you in because it brought you back to times when you were younger. And you were sitting in the pub with your uncles or your dad or your cousins and you're having a seven up and, a, and you're having a, a pack of potatoes and everybody's happy and all that. Kind of, and that's sort of like what we grew up with. But I think that's changing. Like for my children, like my daughter's 19 and my son is 13. Like they don't really, we we, bring, we go for meals, you know, which which we our generation didn't do. Like we didn't go to pubs as such. So they don't have that memory, that, that thing of the pub, you know, it's not so. That's and a also good point. The town, yeah. Like the town I grew up in, 
might have had, you know, 50 pubs, whereas now it might only have 10 pubs or 20 pubs. You know what I mean? So it's not even like every second building is a pub. So things are changing for that generation as well, for, for younger people. Um, I, th- I, I think, and I think, I think it's easier for them to sort of make a choice uh, and they're a little bit more independent um, in that regard, I think. I mean, I'm not sure. Look, I'm talking about my own. I know, I know. And, I, and I would I would think as well, a lot of the younger generation seem to be more health conscious, certainly than than mm. I was when I was in, in my 20s. And there's there's a lot of them going to the gym and there's a lot of them minding themselves. And, and I, I think they're aware of what alcohol can and does to their bodies. Yeah, and I think it's like, I think... I think it's important as well to like I don't want to live in an any state and I don't want anybody to be told what they can and can't do and I think it's I think alcohol can be good and you know it's certain situations and uh and I think that people are just more a bit more discerning and like it's an occasion to have a drink it's not just like um I I I don't know what I'm talking about really here but I feel like it's for younger people it's more not drinking for the sake of drinking but just like this is like I'm going to drink in 2 weeks time because I'm going I'm going to this do you know what I mean? Mm, um, mm. And I think it's more okay, like occasion drinkers where they feel it's an event and then they're going to drink. Uh, whereas when I was growing up, if you had the money, you'd just go drink it and that was it. Yeah, yeah and, and I know David Marr, who wrote that opinion piece earlier on in the, in the week in, in The Examiner, he actually set up um, Sober Slice, I think is the name of his group, and it's a group that organises alcohol-free events. I mean, do we mm. need more alcohol-free events? Well, look, at this is the thing now, because I know people give up, uh, who give up drinks sort of like tend to give out about our society and, you know, there's not enough to do for people who don't drink. Like, if you decide to not to drink, then it's your responsibility to find things to do, you know? You can't be standing around going, there's nothing for me to do, you know? That's like the child who's bored, you know, <laughs> telling the parents I'm bored, you know? You kind of have to find your own stuff to do. Like, And, and like, what I tend to, tended to do at the start was, find not necessarily like different things to do in the evening but like things to do on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning that I really want to do that make me want to not drink on the night before so like I mean just this weekend gone past I went for a hike with some mates and we we did it over two nights and we camped on the on the way and like I really enjoyed that I really enjoyed getting out in the fresh air uh there was no alcohol involved and I you know and it's kind of like those experiences uh, you, put, you you know you put things in place on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning like meeting a friend or going for a hike or going to the gym or or like I don't know cycling down a mountain on a mountain bike at top speed whatever it is you're into like there's other ways of getting kicks than than sitting in and having a bottle of wine do you know what I mean so I don't think it's it's like replacing the pubs with something uh, in the evening it's it's more about what you do with your weekend mornings uh, that you look forward to. That's that's. I think that's what's important. Um, and and that is and got to be one of the huge benefits of deciding not to drink because most of us will do our drinking around the weekend. And one of the huge benefits is waking up on a Saturday or Sunday morning and no hangovers and the full day ahead to do what you want to do instead of sitting around nursing. Oh, I shouldn't have had that extra drink last night. Yeah, and yeah, trying to find out what you said. Yeah. What did I say before I left? What happened? Um, but the, but yeah, and I mean, like I'm going to a um, a music festival this weekend, and I it allows me to do like I say yes to a lot more things because I'm like, well, there's no drink involved. So if I go to a festival at the weekend, I don't need two days off work afterwards. I can go to the festival. I can go back into work. I think it's bank holiday weekend, so I'm back into work on Tuesday. I know I'll be fresh. I can say yes to whatever work is coming up. Um, and I can still go to the festival. So, like, 
you know, it's sort of like it's it's kind of frees you up. Um, whereas before, if I had a wedding, uh, like you say, if you had a midweek wedding, it wouldn't be the case of just taking the Wednesday off. You'd have to take the Thursday off as well, you know, <laughs> and maybe the maybe the Friday as well. Sure, look, it's nearly the weekend anyway, you know. Um, so it's so it, it it really kind of frees you up to just say yes to things, enjoy things. And a lot of this anxiety around drink for me was like, well, if I drink and if it's a festival or a wedding and I'm drinking for two days, what work do I have on Monday and Tuesday? And how's my head going to be? And, you know, how anxious am I going to be? And, it's, you know, and if you work in broadcasting or you're a presenter or you're a writer, whatever it is, you kind of need your wits about you. So it's all that kind of stuff that now if something comes up and someone says, do you want to do something mad? I go, yeah, brilliant, because I know it's yeah. You know, you'll, you know, you'll be able to. Okay, no, Gillian, one of our listeners, says, I've never been a drinker. I would prefer to have a catch up in a cafe with friends. So late night cafes should be more of a thing. You should be able to go somewhere for a cup of coffee and a sticky bun at 11 o'clock at night. But for some reason, they don't seem to exist. Is it the Vintners lobby group that is too strong? We need more late night licenses for uh, cafes. A number of people have given up a drink over the years and said, I simply stopped explaining to people but it was annoying at the start having to constantly explain why you've decided to no longer be a drinker. Catherine says I never uh, drank and I was always the one in the group that had the clear head the next day. It never bothered me. People often thought that I did have beer on board because I always had a good time when I went out. Everything revolves around drink and it does give a very wrong impression to our young uh, people. Uh, We just seem to have uh, we seem to do too much around like I think that was the point that Dave was making in his piece everything we do in this country is around drink we you know we celebrate around drink and we mourn around drink it's it's always seems to do with alcohol yeah look it is very prevalent but I think I do think it's changing and I think that if if, if for me like if I'm not drinking then I, then I need to be the person that sort of you know, leads the way, you know, in a, in a way that says, you can do this and you can do that. And, and I need to be able to bring my friend group somewhere or go for a hike or suggest something or be, you know, be the person that says, look, look do you want to do this? But like, it's, it's a booze free event and be the person to suggest it. Like, like the, the coffee and the sticky bun and the late night ca- coffee shop, that's economically, that's not viable. Like pubs were economically viable because people drank seven pints. There's no way you're going to go into a coffee shop and have seven pints of coffee. Do you know what I mean? I know, yeah. Like, think, yeah. like if you think of the liquid, <laughs> like it's insane that people drink that much. But like a pub works because people drink quantity. You, you're not going like a coffee shop is not going to make its money by people sitting around having a coffee and a sticky bun. It just isn't economically viable. So, we, you know, we need to look at other models or just have people around your house. Yeah, yeah. Like actually, that. I'm just thinking, I remember my, my late mother used to, every single Thursday night, there was four of them, four lady friends, all uh, got together. I think they used to play cards. But it was always yeah. for, you know, the cup of tea and the cup of coffee and, and the sticky bun yeah. was served. And they did it. They moved from house to house. So you host it once yeah. every every four weeks. Uh, but it was a lovely, lovely way to stay and catch up and meet up with friends. So, yeah, you you got to think outside the box a little bit. Listen, yeah, Keith. I know, I know, yeah. I know it sounds boring, but yeah, book clubs and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. Coffee evenings in your own house to stay at work. But listen, yeah, thanks very much for having uh, me. Listen, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you for that. Thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is Keith Welch, who is writer, broadcaster and a mental health uh, advocate, uh, displaying that you can give up drink and you can successfully give up drink and successfully have a fun life at the same time. 0818 103 103. John Paul is taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 
Yeah, well, um, it it wouldn't have been described as diabetes surgery at the time. So I had struggled with my weight from my teens and uh, lost and gained weight many times, tried many things like many people have. And in my mid 30s was when, uh, despite being quite physically active, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and I was referred to Beaumont Hospital here in Dublin. Um, I was also then referred just that, probably about six months before that to the weight management service. So two complete separate pathways of, uh, you know, for treatment. But I was then on the waiting list for bariatric surgery, which it's a gastric bypass. And it was explained to me by my surgeon how the process of the gastric bypass would actually likely reverse my diabetes on the day. Um, and I have to say it was a long decision for me to think about whether you know surgery was a treatment option for me but uh, my diabetes actually deteriorated quite quickly despite being on medication and that was an absolute fear factor for me so there was no decision literally it I knew I had no decision so I went ahead with the surgery in 2015 and my diabetes reversed on the day. Goodness me as quick as that was that a big shock to get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in your mid-30s that's a young age to get diagnosed. Yeah that was the frightening factor for me because I knew all the complications with carrying um, excess weight but as I said I was actually very fit and active I'm swimming a mile probably three four days a week so it wasn't affecting my my mobility at the time. Um, but in one year, my health deteriorated quite quickly with polycystic ovaries diagnosis, uh, the type 2 diabetes. And that shock of like, you know, that to me, it was an older person's disease. It really was. Um, and when I attended Bowman Hospital, quite often, I was probably the only person there in my 30s at the time. That was in 2009. So it was and it was frightening. But then you kind of you're taking treatment, you're taking medicine. I was on three diabetes medicines and checking my bloods every day, which were fine. And then the the the, I, the defining moment for me that turned everything around was being diagnosed with retinopathy. It's diabetic retinopathy in the eyes. Uh, another condition is neuropathy in the feet, but I didn't have that. And that, as I said, wasn't a decision then about surgery because I was terrified. I was literally terrified, but off all three medications since that day. And it's actually today, seven years ago, that I had my surgery. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. And you you now live without diabetes. Without diabetes. Now, they will say it's in remission. And I actually had almost an argument with my consultant in Beaumont because they still were bringing me in twice a year. And I said to him, I need to be discharged. And he said, oh, no, no, it's just in remission. And I said, please, there's people waiting for a place in your clinic because I waited in 2009. 
And so I said, my endocrinologist is checking me, my surgeon, my own GP are constantly checking my health every year that my bloods are done. And I, I do not have diabetes as it stands today. So I was discharged. Um, so if it's just this, this if this is um, brought in as a treatment for people who have type 2 diabetes and obesity, it's going to be life changing. Your quality and of life. You yeah, know, I'm, you just can't measure that. I was going to ask what you I mean, what are the other um, health benefits? Obviously, you've lost weight. I did. I did indeed. Um, I had lost some weight up to that anyway. And weight, I suppose, wasn't really my focus, even though I needed. I, you know, I, when you when you carry excess weight, it's something you live with every single day. It's something you battle with every day. You know, your decisions, what you do, whether it's exercise or food or how, how you're going to manage it. So I did lose weight um, after the surgery, which, again, had its own um improvements in my quality of life you know my polycystic ovarian syndrome the symptoms that improved um, my depression improved everything the whole thing combined um was just a, a new lease of life um but in saying that it's still hard work i've regained some of the weight i lost but that's not uh, my my focus now is on health mm. and the diabetes still being in remission seven years later is is just such a relief it's it's absolute gold now, when you say seven years ago, you, you had the gastric bypass surgery. How long did you have to wait for that surgery? I was on the waiting list in the weight management service for a couple of years. Um, and then at that time, funding was very bad that it had been completely stopped. So I had uh, I made inquiries through my health insurance. And at the time, um, I, with my health insurer covered, they said they'd cover half of it, which I couldn't pay the other half at the time. And I, I argued with them. I, I told them that my health was declining rapidly and that I would have other associated complications that would need to be covered. And they covered it. They covered um, the majority of the surgery to, to be done privately. And so I had it done within two or three months. And I was actually told now I, I can't actually say that I know that this is completely true but when when you have the fear of the retinopathy of going blind uh, one healthcare provider said to me if you hadn't hadn't have had surgery this year the chances were your retinopathy would not have reversed oh my goodness, so that's time hard. was time was that, of essence that it's is, not that is so scary but but I'm right yeah, in saying uh, that people who don't have private health insurance uh, Susie the waiting list for this type of surgery is 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 years isn't it the waiting list at the moment for the weight management would be slow, but thankfully it's improving. Um, I know with the new model of care that has been um, brought in a year ago, that's pushing for more implementation of services. And our organization, ICPO, is helping with that, bringing the patient voice and working with Don Lochet and, and the um, national program. And it is changing, it is improving, but this this is a separate surgery. This is going to be seen as metabolic surgery. So this would be a completely different funding path. It would be a completely different waiting list. So as you can imagine, that would be a huge uh, lack, you know, taking the burden away from that waiting list. So it would it would improve for both sides, for those with type 2 diabetes and obesity. And that's why for me, it's a no-brainer. I, I can't even imagine that this should even be a decision. This should be just brought in. It's... This should be implemented immediately. It's it's because needed. because we do have many Irish patients who travel overseas, don't we, every year to access? Oh, yeah, that's that's quite a problem at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah, because the waiting list. It's but yeah. When it's, people are desperate, tricky. though, Su- Susie, you can understand why people do it. Oh, of course, 
of course yeah. you can but the worry is is that they may not have the support that they need whether with you know a multidisciplinary team or even just peer support and that's again as icpo what we're there for is to try and help and support people who, who do go down that route because quite often they're not aware of it's a lifestyle change when you have surgery you have to eat differently you need nutritional supplements it's not an easy decision and only some people will meet the criteria for this so of the fifty thousand people who may be eligible not all might tick all the boxes i mean we don't like bmi really as a as a marker but that will be a factor in determining whether you qualify for this and you know sort of whether what other comorbidities you may have but it's it's just such a life-changing uh, operation and it's safe and it's 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 a proven method so it's i think we're hoping now we will hear good news from this recommendation from hicwa yeah and of course investing in this surgery ultimately would save the HSE in the long run and I'm sure that that's going to be factored in when the HSE makes its decision uh, because it it stops people needing to use the health service. Well, that's it. If you think for myself, I was now again, I, I'm, I'm a person living with this disease and I'm only going by what I've heard over the years, but that I was told approximately the three medications I was on would have been costing the long term illness plan about 500 euro a month. And if you think I'm off that for seven years, the surgery pays for itself. Yeah, it's yeah. just a no brainer. It's, it's it pays for itself. And then take into consideration, what if I had of progressed worse with my health conditions and then needed, you know, um, if I got hypertension or, you know, cardiac disease or any of the other uh, complications with obesity, you know, it, it would have cost even more. And also that I'm not attending Bowman twice a year. That is, you know, a, another sort of taking away that that burden for them for the waiting list for the for that. So it, it just has so many different uh, positive effects that it, it to me, as I said, it just doesn't seem to even need to be a decision. It should be just done immediately. Okay, you know. and as I mentioned uh, in the outset, you're with the group, the Irish Coalition for People Living with uh, Obesity. What type of support do you offer to people? Well, we have online support groups. We have Zoom meetings once a week. We we organise family walks where we all meet up in various places. Um, we are there just, I suppose, to direct people to a healthcare provider if they haven't been to one. Um, and yeah, so we have various different ways. We're only fairly new organization. We're only running two years officially. And during COVID, it's been hard. It slowed us down to doing everything that we want to do, but we're, we're getting there. And um, we can be found on Twitter and on Facebook. And we're there to try and help as much as we can people who are living with this, because I firmly believe you can't do it on your own, whether you have healthcare provider support or peer support or both. It's, it's very, very hard to live with both type two diabetes and obesity and obesity on its own either. They're, they're hard diseases to, to cope with day by day. OK, so reach out to a group like yours uh, because that peer-to-peer support is always incredible because you're you're talking and interacting with people who are walking in the same and have walked in, in your shoes. Exactly, that's it. OK, yeah. listen, yeah. pleasure talking to you, uh, Susie. And uh, once again, congratulations on seven years post-surgery. Continue good health Thank to you. you. And thanks for joining us. Uh, good Thank morning to you. Bye bye. That is Susie Burney, who is the executive director of the Irish Coalition for People Living with Obesity. And as I say, that report that has just come out this week from HICRA, who are recommending that uh, gastric bypass uh, surgery for people living with type 2 diabetes, as Susie explained, it won't be for everybody, uh, but certainly it's a recommendation from HICRA and it'll be up to the HSE to pick up on it. Some of your commentary uh, coming in on the piece that we did about alcohol and 
why do we socialise so much in this country around alcohol and do we need to have more alcohol free events one listener says this conversation is most bizarre stop praising people for giving up alcohol I'm a non-drinker and when I attend events nobody even realises that I'm not drinking alcohol what's the big deal I think the big deal for people who do give up alcohol is that they notice other people's views I think it's probably different with you the fact that you've never been a drinker but I think what Keith was trying to get across was for people who give up drinking and that was the piece that David Marr on that uh, opinion a piece that I read in the Irish Independent during the week is when you give when you give when you decide not to drink for whatever reason you decide not to drink it's like what's wrong with you are you sick you know well, you know why aren't you drinking go on you'll have one you'll have one and Joe in Dumanway says my only pleasure in life is a glass or two of wine at the end of the week come on we need to have some pleasure in life says Joe I don't think anyone's advocating Joe for people to give up a drink I think the discussion is around why in this country is it a part of everything we do from weddings to christenings uh, to funerals if we're meeting up with friends we'll have a, a drink if we're going out to socialise with colleagues it all seems to revolve around drink I think just the, a debate is opening up and particularly what Keith was saying is the younger generation don't seem to want to drink as much as say previous generations did so it's it's not telling and saying to everyone you must give up alcohol certainly that is not the case and I'm with you Joe I enjoy my glass or two of wine at the weekend as well 0818103103 and hi Patricia I fully agree with Ursula who emailed your show about living in the 80s and how difficult times were in the 80s and there was no handouts people just had to get on with it this caller says I was in school in the 80s we were lived right through the smack bang through a recession and people simply just to get had to get on with it I do remember all students came into school everyone had their full school uniform form on but the big difference between being in school in the 80s and today there was no mobile phones most students today have mobile phones many of those mobile phones are worth up to are over 1000 euro could they not put the money that they use to buy those phones to better use and families need to stop moaning people just need to get on with life that's why text to 0862103103. Okay, we're going to take a break. News at 11 on the way. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours of all-time favourites from Clean Hagen to Mike Denver. Susan McCann to Derek Ryan. And Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter. It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed. And everyone is Irish. Join us Sunday mornings from 10 a.m. Irish Sunday on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. It's a, an, an unusual query has come in from Mary, one of our listeners, who wonders, has any other family done this? And if so, how did you do it? When a person dies suddenly, can a family member request the medical records of the deceased person from the GP? And if so, how long does it take to get the records? Now, Mary's talking about a, ne- a next of kin requesting the information from the deceased person's uh, GP. Has anybody done it before? And if so, how did you go about it? Mary says a post-mortem is obviously going to take place because there was a sudden death of the results of a post-mortem. A post-mortem has been done, but the results won't, can take up to six months. And in the meantime, the 
family next to kin are looking for the medical records from the GP. I just did a quick Google search on it for you uh, to find out how you go about getting a patient's medical records. And it does state that uh, patient confidentiality endures beyond death. And uh, I've just come across a fact sheet if you you want to try to request uh, the records of a deceased person. Patient information remains confidential even after death. It's if it is unclear whether the person consented to disclosure of information after their death, you should consider how disclosure of the information might benefit or cause distress to the deceased person's family, to carers, uh, to, to others. Uh, you should also consider the effect of the disclosure on the reputation of the deceased and the, pers- and the purpose of the disclosure. Individual discretion in all areas uh, might be limited by law. Uh, and then there's various reasons why you would request from a doctor. But if you do... Th- meet the criteria and still think that you want to go ahead and request it. From what I can gather, you have to do it under freedom of information. You have to put in a freedom of information request into the freedom of information request would have to be made into the to the HSC, I'm assuming, and then they would get onto the GP and you, you would get a copy of the records that way. So yes, basically, <laughs> long-winded answer. It is possible to do it, but you're going to have to go, you're going to have to state the reasons why you are requesting it and then go under freedom of information. I've no idea on how long that would all take and whether you could be waiting longer than the six months for when you get the results of the post, post, post-mortem. 0818 103 103. Maybe there's somebody out there, uh, other family members have done it and can give additional advice. Please do. You can call John Paul or text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 on alcohol and opting to not drink or giving up alcohol, etc. Uh, Dennis and Innes Shannon said, I had to attend two events recently. However, I was caught in the position that I'd have no way of getting home after the events, so I decided I would drive instead. One of the events happened to be a school reunion. I turned up and opted to drink non-alcoholic beer, but nobody noticed and I didn't state to anyone that I was drinking non-alcoholic beer. Drinking it out of the bottle and I made sure that the zero was hidden by my thumb. That avoided all the questions of why are you not drinking tennis? Are you off the drink? And all of that. I went to a second event where you were able to get non-alcoholic beer on tap so nobody noticed at all that I wasn't drinking. In the end I was able to, after both occasions, hop into the car, drive home not have to worry about it. Certainly didn't have to worry about a hangover the next day especially having to get out of bed with kids in the household. But that kind of ties in again with what I was talking to Keith about why do we even need to do that? What is wrong with our society that for people who decide, like Dennis, when I'm going to drive, so I'm not going to drink, why do you even need to have to hide the fact that you're not drinking? I mean, I think that's I think that's where this, that this whole discussion is around. If somebody doesn't want to drink, then there shouldn't be any queries. OK, you're not drinking tonight. Big deal. Nobody should be asking any questions. But I think that's what's causing a lot of the problems with people when they decide not to drink. They have to come up with all sorts of reasons as to why they're not doing it. And that's a society, our, our, that's a societal thing. And that's what needs to change, I think, in this country. 0818 103 103. Now, um, people changing their shopping habits that we asked people about earlier on this morning with the latest surveys showing that more and more people are switching to the owned brand products when they go into supermarkets. Marcia says, hi Patricia, absolutely we've changed the way we do our weekly weekly shopping for sure. We're buying supermarket brand branded goods, particularly canned goods and usually they're the very same when you open the, the can 
as the branded products are. But the difference is, of course, the price. But our biggest change is that we make a point to visit our local butcher, our local fishmonger and our local vegetable market. We have found it so much better to support our locals. Yeah, and that's something that we all need to try and do to try and switch some of our shopping and some of the money that we have for shopping to switch it and to try to spend it as locally with independent businesses as well so well done go you uh, Marcia Hi Patricia this is, I'm from Mary from Lismore in County Waterford I switched from own branded tea to a natural brand of tea I buy it in Dungarvan in a shop called Sunflex Louise is the owner now Louise is a plant scientist so she knows exactly what she's adding to the teas her teas are amazing she has for example a tea to aid with digestion one for anxiety one to improve your iron one for sleep one for menopause and I can tell you they do work I used to suffer very badly with migraines and the, the simple thing like the change in tea obviously Louise's teas don't have a caffeine has made such a huge difference I would recommend to anybody shopping in Dungarvan if you're passing through to check out Sunfleck. It is well worth the visit, says Mary. Thank you for that, uh, Mary. Hi, Trish. I always stick with the dearer washing powder and the branded washing powders that some listener was asking about earlier. I did try to change to a cheaper one, but I found it very bad for my skin. If you keep an eye out every now and again, you'll see that the dearer brands are on special offer. I always stock up. I shop in super value and I stock up on it so I never have to pay the full price. But others are noticing, thank you for that, others are noticing that those offers, the, the bog offs, buy one, get one free or the half price offers, there's not as many of those certainly since prices started to rise you would see an awful lot more of those in the supermarket but if you keep a look at in supermarkets now there's certainly not as many of them and I'm assuming that's all down to the rising cost uh, and with inflation going up and then uh, thank you for your text Lima in Cork then was reacting to uh, somebody who was on earlier it was another Liam actually who was talking about Roundup weed killer and uh, the other Liam said normally he'd get a 5 litre container of it for 30 euro he went lately it's gone up to 123 euro he sees that as a massive jump Liam in Cork says Roundup etc any of those weed killers Liam in Cork thinks they're a rip off he says go natural use vinegar salt and washing up liquid it works better than anything and can I say Liam so much better for the environment Peter Dowdell would be giving you a big round of applause for that thank you for that Liam to 0862103103 now I actually had this down as something that I promised that I would mention today and Anne-Marie has got in ahead of me with a text and this is to do with sterling banknotes Anne-Marie by text saying a friend was visiting from the UK and has warned that if anyone has sterling notes especially £20 notes and £50 notes it seems they've been replaced by a new form of legal tender at the end of the month which is only a few days away apparently the paper ones that were in circulation won't be usable any longer many people over the years would have gone to the UK regularly and if they'd taken sterling with them or got sterling when they were over there they kept the sterling you know in the the travelling purse that we all have at home it would be a shame to lose it and find the actual changing of it challenging enjoying your show as always uh, says Amory thank you Amory uh, Amory for that and as I say I had it on a list of things I said that I must mention today and Anne-Marie and Anne-Marie's friend who's visiting from the UK is right it's just the timeline is a little bit longer and Anne-Marie if you do have 
any £20 sterling or £50 sterling bank notes. If you have them stashed anyway, you now have about two months to either use them or exchange them because in two months' time, they literally will become worthless. The Bank of England is withdrawing their paper notes at the end of September and they're placing it with a more durable polymer versions that kind of have a type they're almost like they're coated with plastic I've, I've seen the new uh, notes it's, they're still notes but they're very different to the paper ones so on the 30th of September the paper banknotes will no longer be accepted as legal tender that's anywhere in the United Kingdom it means that if you do have a travelling purse at home as Anne-Marie says and you have some 50s some 20s sterlings in it they literally you won't be able to use them anymore they will be worthless you might as well uh, put them in the recycling bin or burn them now while most of the paper currency has already been replaced over in the UK because the Bank of England started the change over about two years ago they still reckon there's 14 billion pounds sterling worth in circulation and they are accepting that some of that will be outside of the UK. Holders of the expiring currency are told you need to spend the cash as quickly as possible. You can deposit it but you need to have a UK bank account to do that to do that or you can go in and exchange it for euros locally so I'm assuming go into a bank that has a teller that's taken foreign currency. The post office I know you can buy sterling at the post office. I don't know if they exchange sterling or not if somebody wants to get uh, clarification on that and I know in the credit union if you have an account you can change sterling I think you have to lodge it into your account and that's the way uh, it's done but just to check the drawers check the travelling purses check and see because Anne-Marie is right I, I certainly would have known over the years now with with COVID and all of that, we haven't been doing a lot of travelling. But if you ever came back and you might have had, you know, a couple of 20s, maybe a couple of 50s, I sure I'll hang on to that because I'll be travelling over again so as not to constantly have to change from euro to sterling and then back again. We've all hung on to notes like that. So that's that, that's where the alarm bells now should be ringing for anyone that has sterling anywhere um, at home. Also, paper £20 notes issued in Northern Ireland by Bank of Ireland, uh, AIB, Dashka Bank and Ulster Bank. They're also being withdrawn after the 30th of September. And if you have any Scottish bank notes, their £20 and £50 notes are also being withdrawn. The paper £20 notes started to be withdrawn from circulation around the 20th of February in 2020, which was just before the start of the pandemic, when you think about the dates. And that's when these polymer versions went into circulation uh, instead. And then the £50 notes, they started withdrawing those the following year in 2021 when they brought the new notes into circulation. And the Bank of England have been switching from paper to polymer versions in recent years. They say because these synthetic notes, they're more durable, they're harder to counterfeit, they're also waterproof, dirtproof and they're also recyclable. Who knew? However, some users have been complaining that they're harder to fold, they're slippery and it makes them more awkward to use than the traditional paper notes. And of course, we're very different in this country because the Central Bank of Ireland, if you have the old punts, remember the old punts that we used to have? 
they went out of circulation when we switched over to euro. We switched over to euro, which you believe 20 years ago. And still to this day, if you discover the old punts anywhere at home, you can go into the central bank and they will exchange it at the very same rate that they set it 20 years ago, which was one Irish pound to one euro 27 cents. So they they still do that. And we know because of that, there is an awful lot of old punts. Central Bank reckons there's an awful lot of old punts still in, I'm slow to say, in biscuit tins, but maybe they are in biscuit tins, but they could be down the back of sofas. They could be in jacket pockets belonging to people who haven't worn the suit jacket in so many years, but they reckon there's still a lot of it there. But the Central Bank never put a date on when it would no longer become legal tender. And that's the difference. The Bank of England have put an official date of the 30th of September when it no longer becomes legal uh, tender. Uh, John says if you get sterling in the post office they won't take it back from you they tell you you must go to the bank and no bank will take it uh, if there is cash here on the desk yeah isn't that the problem that is exactly the problem 0818103103 I'm going to Doney on line one um, good morning Doney good morning Patricia how are you I'm, I'm, I'm very good okay you're contacting us about sugar Oh, well, yeah, it's just a story that reminds me there when you were talking about the own brands. I, I drove for Irish Sugar, sugar distributors delivering sugar to the shops when the sugar factory was alive and kicking at the time. And um, we were we were delivering one day into, into Dunn's, the old Dunn's stores on the West End and Mallow there. And it was the own brands just came into, into play at the time. And uh, I, had two women, I, I had two women talking about the sugar. As one of them said to the other, no, it's not that, that done stores sugar isn't as sweet as the, the sugar stuff at all, she said. And it was the same sugar we were packaging it all outside in the, in the old sugar factory. It was the same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it, was just, it, was just a, it was just a story when I had to talk about the own brands. Most of it is packed by the same companies anyway. It is. It is indeed. All right. Thank you for that, Tony. Thanks for joining no us. Uh, and I, I, had, I had a similar story with bread that was made in a local bakery in Clonmel and uh, they used to have to go in through the front door when they were delivering their own branded bread and then the delivery driver was told to go through the back door with the one that was wrapped in the Dunn's own brand uh, paper and he remembered meeting a woman who was buying the, the Dunn's, the cheaper bread because she ran a and b business. She was given the cheaper bread, she said, to the patrons of the B&B but she said, oh, my husband will only go with the own brand but it's with the, with the labelled brand but it was the very same bread made the very same way it came out of the very same oven it was just wrapped in a different wrapper 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your call C103 Jobs Desi's Tyres in Carrigaline they've got a vacancy they're looking for an assistant manager but they're also looking for senior fitters email paul at desistires.ie Casey's Furniture in Cork. They've got a vacancy for a stockroom assistant. CVs to bernie.hennessy at caseys.ie. The White Horse in Balancolic. They've got a vacancy for an experienced food server. CVs please to careers at whitehorse.ie. And an admin assistant slash support worker is wanted for abandoned solicitor's office. CVs and a cover letter please to Ted Hallisey at hplaw.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. 
Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. cmig.ie. I'm wondering, is anybody having problems locally getting an NCT uh, appointment? I know the front page of the Irish Examiner today are running with a story that some drivers are waiting up to six months for an NT, uh, for their NCCT. Uh, and it seems there is a six-month online wait, and that is for a lot of the centres. Now, the Road Safety Authority say that over the past two years, despite regular recruitment campaigns, the National Car Testing Service has found it extremely difficult to recruit sufficient qualified mechanics to meet the demand and uh, because of that it's not that suddenly lots of people are trying to get their NCT it's probably the same number of uh, cars but uh, the problem is there isn't enough mechanics to do the uh, job now seemingly the Gardaí are saying look we're very cognizant of the delays experienced by the RSA and by the NCT centre and they say that if a motorist is detected driving a vehicle without a valid NCT cert and can provide proof of a scheduled test date, then a Garda will take this evidence into consideration. So the Garda are, are being very good about it. And we have heard from some of our listeners who say they were stopped. And when the Garda pointed out your NCT there is out of date, Mrs. And when Mrs. was able to say, look, I have proof maybe on their phone or had a printout of the date of their test, they, they, it was uh, fine. Now, I know earlier this morning, there was uh, a look at some of the NCT centres around the country to try to see what what was the next available slot. If you were logging on this morning, this was at just about half past 10 this morning for the NCT centres in Cork. If you need an NCT in Charleville as of half 10 this morning, the next available slot is the 1st of December. For Blarney, it's the 21st of December. God, we'll have all the... Christmas trees up at this stage. Little Island, 22nd of December. It gets worse for McCrew. You'll have to wait until the 5th of January is the next available appointment. In Skibbereen, it's the 18th of January. And in Yall, it's the 4th of January, 2023. That was for people logging on at half past 10 this morning. And then other nearby centres, Killarney, as of half 10 this morning, they have a vacancy on the 6th of December. And in Care, it is on the 1st of December. Now, the RSA are at pains to point out that NCT appointment slots are released continuously across all centres and this happens right throughout the day. Many slots become available because people cancel or they're rescheduling and uh, what they suggest is is to keep checking back. And Now, you'd have to have a lot of time on your hands to be constantly checking back and going online to see has a test date become available but you will see odd ones popping up even with those dates at half pa- that were available at half past ten this morning, if you go on this afternoon, you'll probably see odd ones available for, say, August or even into uh, September. And that's because somebody would have cancelled a slot. And of course, as soon as the slot is cancelled, the RSA will put them back up as available. But they go extremely quickly. So while they'd appear, you'll need to click immediately because you don't know how many other people are logged on at that exact same time and might uh, take it in, in, instead. Now, the Road Safety Authority said that the vast majority of... Co- oh, oh, this is the... If you are really 
in urgently in need uh, of it, they are suggesting that you contact the NCT centre directly because they claim the vast majority of customers on the priority list get an appointment at the preferred centre and they say within four to five weeks so people wouldn't be waiting until December or worse still until January of 2023 but you need to get onto the NCT, uh, NCTS uh, directly and that in fairness happened wasn't it last week that happened when we had somebody contact us because her son was about to do his driving test and his NCT was out of date and he had a test booked but the test for the NCT wasn't booked until December and she contacted us to say will he be able to drive the car he has the letter to say that he has an appointment for his NCT and of course when we checked it out he would not be allowed to take the test unless the NCT your car insurance and your car tax all has to be valid you would not be allowed to take the car test we suggested them that they got on to NCT and they did and within a week they got the NCT date in time for the young lad to do the test so that's for people who urgently urgently need to have an NCT done 0818103103 now oh just uh, just one other thing by the way on the NCT because it's the one thing that we constantly hear from people are you insured to drive around without a valid NCT and a spokesperson for the representative body of Insurance Ireland says its members will be very pragmatic and understanding in their approach to delays to somebody getting their NCT test. Cover will continue to be provided where customers through no fault of their own are unable to obtain their NCT due to the backlogs at the test centre. Provided motorists make every effort to book appointments in the normal way, insurance companies will recognise that the current issue is not the fault of the customer. So that's important to state that as well. Now, ex-GAA president and MEP for Ireland South, Sean Kelly, claims fans are losing out due to the new shorter GAA season with now no more men's championship matches until next year and Sean Kelly uh, joins me Good morning to you Sean Good morning Patricia, nice to meet you again And lovely to have you on the programme as well Do you believe many fans are missing the long summer evenings looking forward to the September All-Irelands? Well certainly some do and it's something that the GAA will now have to reflect on playing the All-Ireland Finals before the end of July and then how it impacts on the fans, how it impacts on the players, how it impacts on the sponsors, and how it impacts on other activities, particularly the promotion of the game and having no major championship matches or matches of high profile for six or seven months is a long time to be kind of in the doldrums. So that's something that will have to be looked at very carefully. Is there a danger that other sports will dominate the space instead? Well, if we are not in the field, then the others are. Obviously, they're going to have a domination in terms of publicity. And I think that's something that we need to be conscious of because while they will say that we're going to have club championships, club championships are essentially confined to the local area. And it's only maybe in the latter stages they get national prominence whereas inter-county championships have that national prominence, which we won't have. And obviously, there's going to be less publicity for the GA overall for the next number of months. And that's going to be filled, obviously, by other sports. You also raise, which I, I think a lot of people will identify with, that squeezing matches into a shorter period can add financial pressure to families that, let's be honest, are already squeezed at the moment. 
Yes, and particularly with games being in Croke Park, the cost of travelling for con- from counties like Cork and Kerry and West Coast generally is far more than those in the vicinity of Dublin. And I think that's something that has to be factored in because it's hugely expensive on families when they have to go to Croke Park week after week, more or less, and uh, try and get tickets for all the members of the families, get food, sometimes accommodation, even though accommodation is beyond most people's reach now. I see most people from Kerry went up and down on the day because of the cost of accommodation. So all those things have to be factored in, and I think it is something that we will have to reflect on very carefully to get the correct best and best balance at the end of the day. Yeah, you see, that was... I, I, and I remember thinking that when I realised that the All-Ireland finals were going to be in uh, July. I was thinking, God, that's going to put some pressure on hotel rooms because, you know, we're right in the middle of the summer season. Now, I know this year is a very unusual one in that a lot of hotel rooms are taken up by, uh, God help us, the poor refugees from the Ukraine through no fault of their own. But even even taking that out of the fray, you know, busy tourist season, hotel rooms would be at a premium anyway in the months of June and July. And that's a very important factor, Patricia. And indeed, it was said to me in Croke Park uh, last weekend when I was talking to various people that were staying maybe in different hotels. They said there was no atmosphere there because 80% or more of those who were staying in the various hotels were actually tourists. And that, of course, would not be the case in September when there'd be very few tours and when it'll be all GA fans. So definitely, even if accommodation was affordable, it was very difficult to get it, as you said, because it's high season for the tourist industry. So that impacts definitely on it as well. well and course, but hotel- even, even the teams were affected. I mean, the, the Kilkenny team, who always would have stayed in Dublin, no, they didn't have anything to celebrate this year, but they would always have stayed in Dublin. They were forced to make the decision even before the All-Ireland that they were going to have to travel home because they couldn't get an affordable hotel to put up the team and the, and the backroom squad. That is true. And the Kerry Hurlers, who were playing Croke Park as well in the McDonald Cup, they flew up and down on the day. And even last Sunday night, when Kerry were celebrating their victory, they did so in the Gibson Hotel. But the Kerry officials told me they were very lucky to get a hotel. And the only reason they got that hotel was because Dublin had it booked uh, prematurely, perhaps. And uh, Kerry were able to fill the void. So it's definitely mm, it's an issue. a big factor. It, 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 it is an issue. So are you urging GA bosses to rethink the issue for future years? I think they'll definitely have to reflect on it and consult widely. I would think the one group who may be happy with it is probably the players because it frees them for the first time ever if they want to go abroad in holidays or get married or whatever and take a break. Then they have that opportunity. So there's probably a positive there. But maybe we could strike a balance. Maybe rather than finishing July, finish maybe towards the end of August. That's something I think that should be looked at. But all those factors which we've discussed, Patricia, will have to be considered very carefully and everybody will have to be consulted and then come to the best possible conclusion. At least now they have the experience of seeing what it's like in July and particularly seeing how it has impacted hugely on the the families especially. But also another factor, I think, uh, Patricia, is how it's going to impact on attendances for the finals of the Camogie and ladies' football. Like if you take it now, 
Kerry won the All-Ireland Football Final last Sunday. They're in the Ladies Football Final, thank God, next, next Sunday. Sunday. yeah. Will people be in a position to go Two again? weekends in a row. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. We'll, we'll watch that one with interest. Just on a couple of other issues that we're getting calls in about, we've had a number of listeners very upset by the GAA uh, insisting that people have to book their tickets to local matches. You've got to book your tickets online. And we've had a number of GAA fans. Now, a number of them were older GAA fans who don't use the internet People who say, look, we've for years we've been going to support the local GA matches, turning up at the styles. No one will take the money off them. They have to book their tickets online. Do you have a view on that? I can sympathise with them. I think moving everything to online, okay, is the modern way of doing it and it will be okay for quite a number of fans. But for those, as you mentioned, who don't have the internet, and sometimes the internet doesn't work, and there are all sorts of complications, as you know, there can be. And uh, then, of course, you've also to consider maybe people who mightn't have accessed the internet on a particular day and they'd like to go to a match. So that kind of walk-up crowd, as we used to call it before, cannot happen now. So again, I think a bit of balance might mean any harm if people could uh, stipulate maybe in advance uh, if they were wanting to attend certain matches over the course of a year, they might be accommodated some other way rather than maybe having to buy a full season ticket. There might be just uh, tickets for a certain number of matches. But definitely, uh, I think that there should be accommodation on the day for people who want to go to the match and mightn't have been around and mightn't have known to on or might have been in a position to go but would like to go. I think that last-minute crowd. And then, of course, also... And the, G- the GA lose out on that last-minute crowd. And, there's, and there was, has always been that those last-minute people who just to decide on the day or the afternoon or the evening, oh, come on, we'll go to the match. There would be, definitely, and they're losing out as a result of that. I know the system is more efficient this way and it's the way that, we'll say, for instance, concerts and all other events, that's the way it's moving. But maybe we could uh, retain some of the old system particularly to suit those, as you said, who be following the jury all their lives and uh, find the internet very, very difficult. Yeah, and as are so many people said to us, the people who built the GAA, you know, with blood, sweat and tears over the years, and they did. And just one final one, Barry in White's Cross says, what does uh, Sean Kelly make of local websites, local newspapers that stream live matches are now going to charge for these local games? Barry understands that they are providing a service and it is a relatively new service. Uh, but he says we all we already have to pay for some some matches that are on uh, TV with Sky on national level, etc. Uh, he can't understand why local websites and newspapers. Are you aware of that? Streaming matches are going to start charging? I'm not fully aware of it. I've heard of it. And obviously if they're streaming, they're probably paying something for it. So maybe a minimal charge or something like that might be better but it is again something that should be monitored and the GA should be keeping an eye on those things if they give the rights to some group to stream local matches etc all these things have to be watched very carefully because on the one hand as you said they're providing a service but on the other hand maybe the costs may or may not be too high but they need to be watched very carefully but if you want to watch matches abroad as GA go you have to pay for those. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. I've done that in the past. I was in the and south of France good, one year and it was it was great. It was absolutely great. We wanted to watch an All Ireland final and it was the funniest thing watching it in the south of France on on a, a little tablet, but it was it was great, but that facility is there. Okay, I just think the GA need to be mindful of 
people are struggling, you know, and people are really, really struggling at the moment, which you are very aware of as well. But I can't get over the number of people saying, get Sean, please, to change the way the tickets, uh, tickets to matches are being sold, purchasing tickets on the line uh, on the Internet is just not working for so many people. I can see we're inundated with texts on that particular one. All right, Sean, I've got to leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, we'll talk again. And thanks uh, for joining us. That is former GAA president, but uh, he is also MEP for the South, Sean Kelly. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. I'm delighted to say Sergeant John Kelly from For My Guide the Station joining me live in uh, studio uh, today for this week's Guard the File. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, And Patricia. you're very you. welcome. OK, you want to start this kind of a good news story. Trailers that were stolen, but they've been located and you're trying to get them back to their owners, is it? That's correct, Patricia. Uh, last, I suppose, two weeks ago, as I was giving it out, you know, I, I said we had a problem at the, uh, at that time with trailers being, uh, being stolen. Uh, a search was undertaken that day um, at a location outside of Cork City. And in total, uh, between trailers, horse boxes, a uh, total of nine were recovered. Now, uh, thankfully, we were able to, you know, give about four of them back to their owners. There was a a, um, a diesel hauser as well. Um, but there's about five of them in total that have not been, you know, they probably were never reported. We're, they're not on our system. So we take it that there were ones that were stolen and that the owners have n- not reported them. Um, they're, they're not the Ivor Williams of this world. You know, they're, they're, they're maybe... You know, trailers are valuable to their to their owner. Some are single axle. Whatever. And some people probably felt no point Abs- reporting it would never be found. Yeah, they yeah. did because they didn't think there was any hope of getting them back. Okay. So, the, so the good news is we have five of them left to give back to their owners if they could make contact with uh, the okay, so branch from my o two five eight two one hundred. Okay. So if you had a trailer stolen, and it could have been any time stolen in the last number of years. Uh, well, yeah. I'd say possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, possibly in the last 12 months anyway, yeah. maybe. Okay, you know? all right, May, make contact. Fuel taken this time from Rathcormac. We, that was yesterday. Um, we had uh, about 700 euros of fuel taken. Um, an outside tank in the farmyard. I'm giving that really as, as an advisory piece that uh, there's no doubt that uh, locations like that will be targeted. Um, with, the, with the fuel prices the way they are, that is something that we're going to see. And we're going to see it for the for the winter as well, most likely. So for people, you, you know, to make sure that they keep the amount that they're keeping down. And also if they have fuel tanks that they would classify as vulnerable by reference to their location, consider moving them, reciting them. You know, particularly the farmyards are locations where you, you have, may have some sheds that are not being used. Um, but consider relocating fuel tank into, into a shed that can be locked down with a steel door um, op- opening out with a proper closed shackle lock on it, you know. Okay, it's liquid gold. It really it's is. It is at the yeah. moment. But yeah. the day of filling up the tank, even though I don't think a lot of people can afford to fill it up anymore. But just be mindful of that as well. Now, you want to talk about a scam? Now, this has been. I think it's it's been Brown writing about it in the the Corkman newspaper out today, uh, and talking about the Gardaí foiling what you describe as an elaborate bank card scam. Tell me about this. It, it started there uh, a couple of weeks ago, one, one day when a lady in, in McCroom got a, uh, what we call it's a, a phishing fraud. Basically, uh, she was contacted. She got a text alert on, on, on her phone, uh, basically to say, um, a, a, or a, f- a fraud alert. So it stated that there were suspicious transactions in her account. 
and that she should click the link to look at the transactions. You know, she hit the link but didn't go any further. Uh, later on that day, she had um, uh, she had a missed call from the stolen card section at the bank uh, at the bank in question, as she thought. Um, later on, again, I suppose about an hour later, she got a phone call there from that stolen card section. Now, the, the actual phone number that came up is actual the actual number for the stolen card section at that bank. So they they that's what they call number spoofing that they can project a, a number onto your phone, uh, you know. That, uh, but it isn't coming from that number, but, but it's it not looks like it correct, is. Correct, yeah. correct. Again, in this uh, particular situation, the person calling had an, uh, had an Irish accent. Um, now, when she was, they said there had been a number of attempts that day to take money uh, out of her account and that there were a number of devices logged into her account at that time. You know, so they were creating fear uh, in her that uh, her account was being, was being accessed remotely. Um, he said that there was a, one logged in in McCroom and the other in Limerick, and the caller asked if she had if uh, she had her cards on her. Um, when he heard that, he informed her that they would need to examine her bank cards to see how they were skimmed, and the caller then um, asked the injured party if she wanted to make an appointment uh, at at the bank, and he'd arrange an appointment, but that he'd cancel her card straight away, freeze her account to stop any further. Uh, transactions and then informed her that their courier was was actually in the locality and that he'd seen the courier around to collect you know so um, later on that day um, this courier was to uh, appear around 3 o'clock she got a call ar around 3 o'clock and in that particular uh, case her uh, a son her son was in the house overheard the call realised there, there, there was a problem and um, they got onto the bank in question. Now, the son immediately got suspicious and said, this is a scam. Well uh, done. Well absolutely. Done. Okay. absolutely. So he contacts the Gardaí. Uh, yeah, and uh, the, the bank was contacted as well. Now, to be fair, the bank in question knew straight away that's, you know, it's a scam. That's a scam. Yeah, okay. the Gardaí got down before the uh, before the courier arrived. The courier turned out to be a uh, taxi driver who was innocent. You know, that had been just hired. He got to, a fare to say, go pick fare. up this package. He okay. got a fare, collect the package. Uh, yeah. Uh, an envelope um, so the Gardaí put a operation in place and accompanied the <coughs> the taxi driver to Middleton and in in Middleton then the, the envelope was handed over to a person outside a bank in in Middleton now the Gardaí from from Yall and Middleton had mounted an operation so they were uh, looking on as the as a person was there a person has been arrested and has been charged and is presently before the courts. Uh, inquiries are being carried out as well into um, other cards that were found on the person, you know, but it was quite, quite an elaborate scam. And different to other scams in this is, these are Irish criminals, because a lot of these scams, when you get a phone call, it's somebody with a foreign accent. Well, in this, the, shall we say, the caller had a foreign accent. Yeah, you well, know. the car, okay. Yeah. Got, yeah, okay. Uh, I suppose maybe, maybe a blended... All right. Uh, okay. All right. But <coughs> a lot of the calls come from outside <coughs> Ireland, yes, don't they? Yes, a, indeed. A lot yeah. of the scams. Yes, All right. But okay. I, I suppose it just really gives the uh, listeners, uh, you know, an idea of the different types of scams. You know, and, and the lens they'll go to, and the lens they will go to, to send you know? a car over to your house to pick up your car. Yeah. Now, in, in in the case of something happening like that, you know, you're 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 told destroy your cards, cut them up, cut them across the microchip, and put them in the bin. New cards are going to be sent out to you in the post. Yeah. You know, so um, you, you know, cards like that, you, you know, they're. 
uh, you know, they're valuable, you know, and I mean, we see with debit cards, we see a problem from time to time, debit cards being lost, somebody finding them and they'll do a number of taps with them, you know, so I mean, treat debit cards as cash, but you know yeah, the, the tapping is, is great but the downside to it is if you lose your card you absolutely and, and fraud is canceled. happening all the time and yeah. we saw another one there the other day you know with the, the high mum text uh, that a person got and they were um, uh, thought that was uh, thought was their son or daughter that was contacting them that they needed cash put into an account gave an account number you know and there was a, cu- a couple of grand uh, paid over not the first time that we've seen yeah that one's come up before yeah but also the other one has come up as well before Patricia you know yeah. so okay just um, be careful be careful and what like what keeps these guys in business unfortunately is people getting caught out and, and there isn't a day goes by that we don't have some listener tell us that they've received a scam and, the important and, thing and, that and people are do. alert a lot of people absolutely. are alert to absolutely it. and more people that we can it. give yeah. the information to get them talking you know and, and uh, it will prevent a lot of it from happening okay and to end uh, John you want to put a shout out to retired Garda members who might be listening to the programme this morning it's, it's a big year for on Garda Chicano we're 100 years in existence um, now you know retired members are very important to us in, in, our, in, our, in our celebrations and commemorations you know and while we are aware of, of you know through the Garda Pensioners Association that where most of them most of them are you know, you have the situation where a person could have retired in Dublin, they moved to Cork, they may be not interacting, say, with the local Garda pension organisation or whatever. So just to make themselves known to the local uh, uh, Garda district headquarters so that they can be included in anything that's happening down yeah. this end of the country. Yeah, and there will be lots, I imagine, in the months ahead. Will there lots there of will be quite a number, yeah. of, number of things happening, yeah. you know. And, and people will, I mean, particularly if you're thinking of uh, beautiful West Cork, lots of people retire to uh, West Cork and to each other parts of, of Cork. So it's anyone who spent any time yes. as a member of Angar the Shikona. That's correct, Patricia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank Listen, you thank you for that. That is uh, Sergeant John Kelly, uh, based at Fomoy Garda Station, joining us in uh, studio. 0818 103 103. John Paul, taking your calls. We don't have uh, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, joining us uh, today. She's not available to us. We are instead going to be focusing, though, on a special GAA football team that was set up a year ago in West Cork. It is a special GAA football team for mothers and others. So we're going to be talking with that group after news at 11 and our afternoons at 12 should I say and we'll catch up with your calls and comments that are coming into the programme. You can keep them coming. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and you can email Patricia at c103.ie Court today on C103 With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group They don't just talk the talk they walk the walk. CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The latest listenership figures are out. These are the JNLR listenership figures that come out, I think, about four times a year. But obviously, we haven't had updated listenership figures. COVID affected people getting able to get out and survey and ask people what radio station are you listening to, etc. But can I say, we're all very excited here at C103 because we have had our best listenership figures ever. So a huge, huge thank you to you, the listeners, to the new listeners that have come on board and to the old diehard listeners, our loyal listeners. 
listeners and we've got so many loyal listeners who've been with us for so many uh, years and it's phenomenal that we here in, in Cork, we said it kind of bucked the trend uh, around the country that 82% of people say that they listen at some stage, listen to radio every single day. I know I personally have a preference for radio any day over TV. If you were to take, if, if there was something happened and you to take one of the items out of the household, either the radio or the TV, I'd give you the TV, leave me with the radio anytime. But that's just me. I'm a bit of a nut when it comes to radio and radio listeners. But a huge, huge thank you uh, to, as I say, each and every one of our listeners. We really do appreciate you. And 270,000 adults listen every single week between the two of our sister station 96FM and us here at C103 but it is our best listenership figures ever here on C103 and we're quite excited about that. Okay, let me get back to some of the questions and queries coming in from you, the listener. Firstly, listener, this is somebody in the Charleville area said, does anybody know if the Charleville office of Cork County Council is closed. The reason that I'm messaging you is I've tried leaving an urgent message several times and I'm getting absolutely no reply. It's about grass that needs to be cut at a very dangerous junction. And in fairness, the council are always telling us to let them know if there is an area where it's a road safety issue, the the verges need to be cut for whatever reason if it's a junction and it's obscuring the vision of people coming out of the junction that is very very dangerous anyway the sister said I rang Cork County Council and they couldn't get an answer either so I was only able to leave a message I left a message yesterday morning and again today but still I'm not getting a reply you've a really good uh, county councillor in the Charleville area in the form of Ian Doyle I wonder could you get a message to Councillor Ian Doyle and tell him exactly where that junction is and in the meantime if anybody can tell us the Charleville office of Cork County Council is it closed and does it only open on certain hours? Are the phones manned? Do they pick up the messages that people do leave on the phone? If anybody can tell us, 0818103103. To drink or not to drink that we kicked off the programme with this morning. A listener says, Patricia, people can be strange, particularly with regard. Now, this is some people can be strange, particularly with regards to home visits when it comes to drinking alcohol. One is a lot more likely to be invited to visit somebody's home if you're inclined to go along and bring a bottle of wine or to join somebody for a bottle of wine rather than going around to somebody for a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Some are quite happy to entertain with wine, even though they know that the person may have to drive home afterwards. They'll hardly want to make Make you a cup of tea. I've often seen it. People can be both ignorant and hurtful and snub good friends in the, in this way if they're not partial to coming around for a drink. Uh, sincerity doesn't matter as long as you are an alcohol drinker, it seems, says this listener. Well, that's with some, not with all, but you will have people, yeah, who will only like to have somebody around if they are drinking, which is completely wrong. And again, ties in with what we were talking about earlier on. And Michael says, Patricia, Michael Devitt once said, if the Irish had a weakness worse than that of drink, it was the lack of moral courage. The lack of moral courage, Michael feels, plays an extremely big part in a lot of drinkers' association with entertainment, especially shy people. Why? Because it gives them that bit of courage and they depend on that bit of courage if they're out in a social setting and the drink will help them. Sadly, though, the drink can get a grip on them and God knows 
it has in the past for sure thank you for that 0818103103 and Mary and Banda says Patricia you mentioned books yesterday I did it was somebody had sent in a message saying that they were re-reading that wonderful book from the 70s The Thornbirds and that they were reading it for a second time and they were really enjoying it and that got me going and thinking about books if people are reading books at the moment what's a good read what would you recommend anyway Mary and Bandon said that she also read The Thornbirds and read it uh, twice she describes it as an excellent descriptive book yeah and it's made me want to reread it again another book Mary says well worth a read is When the Crow Dads Sing it's by Delia Owens and the film is due to come out at this week do you know something Mary that book has been recommended to me so many times and I still haven't gotten around to read it it's meant to be a terrific book so good is the book that Mary is right it has been made into a uh, movie that is due to be is it is it out this week I have a funny feeling it's out this this week where the crawdads sing and what I always think if you love a book like that if you've absolutely loved it it was a page turner and that book where where the crawdads sing on anyone that's recommended to me says it's a complete page turner. I'm wondering how people are going to feel if you loved the book and then you go to see the movie because sometimes the movie can let you down particularly if you've loved the book. Now that doesn't always happen but it does happen. I know in the past I've, I've read books that I've loved and then when I saw it in a movie form I didn't I didn't really like it. Thornbirds is one didn't they bring that out as in, a, in a TV programme a TV series I can't even remember did I watch the TV series or not I was one of those ones because I enjoyed the book so much I was afraid that I'd be so disappointed with the TV version of it that I didn't but thank you that has come recommended before Mary and I absolutely have it on my list of a must read book thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Martin says Patricia you spoke on Tuesday about solar panels and batteries that are needed for electric cars. Well, what about batteries working on sun and light? Oh, sorry, you spoke about them for for solar solar panels for working to for light and energy for farms and ho- homes. Martin is wondering, are there solar panels out there for cars or for mobile phones that would recharge the phones naturally? And obviously it would be much cheaper. And also, if you could have some way that a solar panel could be placed, say, on the roof of a car so it would recharge the car battery at the same time. Would it not be vastly cheaper as well? Would it not be a win-win all round? It would. I don't. I have no idea if the technology is there or not. The mobile phone would be a hard one because you'd have to be leaving it out in the sun. I could see, though, a solar panel on a car because when you're driving along on a bright summer's day and if you were in a country that has a lot of sunshine... And the solar panel, the roof of the car became the solar panel. Wouldn't you think that that would work? I have no way of knowing. I'm not. You'd have to have a scientist to tell us if it would work or not. But it certainly seems like a good good idea, Martin, for sure. And it would be a win win, and so much cheaper. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three on NCTs and people waiting on NCTs. Hi, Patricia, a friend of mine from Newcastle West had to go all the way to Little Island outside of Cork in order to get her, t- her car tested. And when she went along to do the test, it failed. Well, one of the tyres failed. So she had to get the tyre replaced and then you have to go back and it's a visual inspection. 
so that you can pass and get your certificate. So she went back to Abbey Field for the visual uh, inspection once she got the new tyre fitted on the car, only to be told they couldn't pass it because they didn't do the original NCT. So guess what? She had to get in the car and drive all the way to Little Island again just so they could take a look at the new tyre. By the way, that was over 100 miles of a round trip, which is so maddening with the price of fuel at the moment. Oh, that is goodness me. And that's yeah, the one thing about doing an NCT further away from home. You've got the expensive driving there. But if something like that goes wrong and then you have to go back again, if the added added expense onto that, that for sure is frustrating. Thank you for your text. Someone says we need to scrap the NCT. I feel it's a money racket. We need to go back to the old way. Well, the old way was we didn't have NCTs, wasn't it? I mean, they say from road safety point of view, getting our cars tested is allowing for safe safer cars on the road. So I can't ever see them scrapping it because it was introduced from a road safety point of view. And thank you to our listener to say, Hi Patricia, I'm the lady who needed to get an NCT for my son's driving test and the suggestion was that she would ring. I did ring them and within an hour the lady at the NCT centre was back and we had the new date for my son. It did pass. (laughs) I'm delighted to hear that. It passed the NCT and he's doing his test next Friday, fingers crossed. I don't know if next Friday is tomorrow or tomorrow week, but would you let us know how he gets on because it's funny uh, the week last week I know I saw a text in from a, li- from a listener saying did that woman's son did, did he pass the NCT and he passed the driving test so Thank God he's 50% there. He passed the NCT. All we need from now is to pass the driving test and please God he will. But thank you uh, for letting for letting us know that. And we spoke about the GAA and the fact that the All-Ireland, the men's championships are over now and we're not even at the end of July. We don't have the All-Ireland finals to look forward to in September anymore. And Sean Kelly, former president of the GAA, thinks it needs to be looked at again and just feels it's too long now. We have to wait six months. We have to wait until January for the championship to kick off again. Well, one listener disagrees and says, Patricia, I'm a big, big fan of the GAA and I think the GAA should be left the way it is. It is giving the clubs a much better chance. So we'll be interested to hear, are clubs happy with the way it's done, that the championship is out of the way and that leaves everything down to the club uh, action. But Sean reckons that there are a lot of uh, people who are disappointed that they won't have and they don't have the long summer evenings looking forward to the All-Irelands in September. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking calls. Text WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. It's Thursday. That means the Kildallery Lotto Draw will be taking place this afternoon, 4 o'clock, community office, and the jackpot is creeping up. It's €4,500. The annual Famine Graveyard Mass that will be held at Kilpadder graveyard in in a Shannon that's on tonight at half past seven all are very welcome to attend number of festivals kicking off this weekend the annual festival of the sea that's taking place in Castletown Bear Friday and Saturday you can find out more on their social media page and good luck to everybody involved in Ahakishta 
Festival. That's kicking off tomorrow night, Friday, with Graham Norton's quiz, which is sold out. Lots of events happening there across the weekend. And the traditional trades fair will be held in Valley Longford, that's in North Kerry. That's happening this Saturday and Sunday, where traditional trades and crafts people will talk about and demonstrate their work. Trades will include longbow makers, coppersmiths. They're hoping to have about 30 blacksmiths showing their trade. There'll be basket makers, musical instrument makers and lots more. There will also be entertainment for the children, including old-fashioned fairground games, foods and crafts. Now, admission is €12 for adults, but it will be free entry for children, anybody under the age of 16. And Ahiol Vintage Harvest Day, that's on next Sunday, with vintage ploughing, tractor pulling, silage cutting, old-time threshing, combine harvesting, dog show, tractor rides, food stalls, and much, much more. And that's all in aid of the West Cork Rapid Response Clan Hospital and other local charities. Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. The Thornbirds, the, it was a TV series, wasn't it? Uh, Mike says the Thornbirds, Patricia, was compulsive viewing because it had Richard Chamberlain. He played the priest, didn't he, in it, if my memory serves me right? And Rachel Ward, Christopher Plummer and many, many more. It was absolutely brilliant. I just don't remember it. I remember the book, but I just don't remember watching the TV series. Maybe I did. And then somebody else says, Patricia, there's terrible reviews of that film where the crawdads sing, oh no. But somebody said, read the book. It's absolutely brilliant, but there's very bad reviews of the movie. And Carol says to let Martin know who suggested about could we not switch? Has nobody invented solar powered cars? Um, Carol has sent me on a YouTube clip to say that solar charged cars are here already. So the technology is there. Thank you for that. Now, let me go back to the GAA issue where we spoke with the ex-GAA president, Sean Kelly, who's claiming fans are losing out on the shorter season with no more men's championships until next year. And then we had one of our listeners disagreeing with Sean and says it should be left the way it is as it's giving clubs a much better chance with the championships out of the way. Derry is in Cullen. Um, good afternoon Derry. Hello Patricia how are you? I'm very, I'm very well. Now you're involved with the GAA in your own area and you reckon that this shorter championship season and the fact that the season is over has backfired on the clubs? Absolutely, totally and I think I, if you speak to anybody I would say in rural Ireland they will tell you exactly the same thing. In fact um now, we're not too badly off in Cullen. We're lucky enough. But I know that clubs in Duhalla are decimated because the minute the inter-county scene was finished, all the inter-county players that are involved in the club scene, a lot of them are gone off to America. And not alone that, but some of the better players in the clubs are gone with him. And in fact, there was a meeting of the Duhalla board last night. And, and the problem now is that some clubs in Duhalla are withdrawing from the junior football competition because of a lack of players. In fact, we were to play this game last Saturday night in Junior Football Championship and on Friday night at half nine, we got a phone call to say the game was off because this game couldn't field the team. And I I was actually talking to somebody last night involved with Mill Street and they played Intermediate Championship last weekend with an absolutely decimated team he told me they were missing about nine of the team 
that played in last year's championship, most of them gone abroad. And the whole idea of getting the championship out of the way was to allow the clubs to be able to focus. It, it, it has backfired entirely. I can tell you, Patricia, the, the simple answer is, and, and our county boards are totally responsible for this. First of all, and I know it's off the point, we are running development squads, which to me are also they're the downfall of every club in the county. We, we played on the 21 championship this year. And we had about five players or five of our best players sitting on the line because they were involved with top development squads. And we allowed play in minor or under-21 championship with us. And to me, that is a disgrace. I mean, the, the club is the, the, is the base where it all starts. And we are now at a stage where coaches won't even bother with club teams because they know when championship comes around, they're better players who are tied up within the county teams won't be allowed to play. So, and I mean, we had a system a few years back when players, okay, they weren't allowed to play maybe two weeks before an inter-county game. They weren't allowed to play with their club. But we had now under 14 and under 16 players that have played, that have never put on our club jersey this year because they're involved with underage development squads. So you, then, you think go back to the way it was? Go back to the way it was, I can tell you. And listen, the, the proof of the pudding, Patricia, where, is our, where are our inter-county teams at right now? They were never at such a low edge. I can tell you, I watched games in Kerry in the last couple of weeks and every single Kerry footballer was playing in them a few weeks back when every footballer in Cork was being told, do not play with your club. And Kerry have gone on and won in All-Ireland. I saw Paul Murphy. I saw Shane Ryan playing club football this year. And no, I, I don't think any, any player in Cork has played club football. Or certainly didn't while Cork were involved. And see where it has got it. All right. And it was, it was Congress made the, 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 the decision. I, I know it was Congress. And I, I'll never know why, why the, the reason or why the decision was made. But certainly, uh, it, to me, and I think maybe I'm all wrong, I, I haven't heard any of your earlier discussions. I was just in the car and I heard the, the last caller who was saying that this was an ideal situation and this was great for the club scene. But I, I certainly, I, I, I cannot understand how anybody could think it was great for the club scene because, to me, most clubs in rural Ireland are decimated. Oh, that's such a shame to hear. I that's was, such I a shame. A friend of mine up in Leeds from last night, and he's very involved with a club in Ballinamore up there. And he told me exactly the same thing. He said most of their players had gone off to America. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and you, you know. and and you can't stop the the young fellas going off as well. It's they're gone off on a J one visa. I'd say, I take it they're gone working. You can't. And from what I gather, no, I have no proof of this. But from what I gather, all the inter county players are being invited over. They're being given jobs. And as well as that, they're being told, look, if there are any other good club players in your club, bring them on with you and we'll sort them out. Oh, God. Oh, that's awful. That's dreadful. You know? All right. All right. Uh, yeah, well, I tell you, if, if, the, if what you're saying is reflected all over the country and it looks like it is, I think the powers that be in the GAA are going to have to go back to the drawing boards uh, board on this, but they'll have to go back to Congress again, won't it, to, if they I, do I decide to change? Well, like I said, I can't speak for the whole country. I know. But certainly, I can talk for Joe Hallow 
and and to me, Duhalla is being decimated now. Look, I maybe maybe there are other reasons, but to me, uh, to me, fellas aren't going to hang around uh, for for games. And it's it's look, it's just hard. Like we played, we played a championship game. Uh, what three weeks ago we played Castle Magna. We were due to play Kiss Game last weekend. It was called off because Kiss Game couldn't field the team. Our next championship game is the first week in September. And we are playing the semi-final and the final, the Duhalla final, if we get to it, in the space of a week. And we now have seven weeks where we've no game. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what, what, what people and are I mean, saying. And for people waiting for the championship, the, the championships don't begin now until next year. We've got to wait till 2023. Now you're talking. Okay. And oh. I, mean, I, can't, I can't blame any young fella for saying, look, we've no football for the next two months. Yeah, off we I'm go. Ready, off I'm we go. All right, listen, you know? Derry, thank you for that. And uh, I think a lot of people will, uh, will agree with you. And that seems to be reflected around the country as well, according to uh, Derry. 0818 Still getting reaction re- reaction in on the Thornbirds book. Hi, Patricia. Um, I just had to smile when I heard you talking about the Thornbirds. I was a priest's housekeeper for over 40 years. When I first went to work for him, I was just 20. He would have been in, in his late 50s. People used to call us the Thornbirds. We played along with it. I used to call him Ralph and he'd call me Maggie. Uh, but I can assure you we didn't get up to the shenanigans they got up to in the Thornbirds. Someone else says it was Richard Chamberlain played the car. All right, I knew there was there was somebody. I just can't. I haven't read the book in so long, and someone says I cry every time I watch the Thornbirds. It is a wonderful, wonderful TV program to watch. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Let me go back to the phone lines because Councillor Mick Nugent is on the line. Uh, good af- Good afternoon to you, Mick. Uh, good afternoon. Now, Mick, this is to do with uh, an incident that uh, you yourself has described as reckless and uh, stupid. Tell me what happened and where it happened to this uh, young woman who was driving her car. Yeah, I just spotted it um, just there last night. Well, someone contacted me um, from Cork B.O. Um, they were actually on the Grand Parade themselves. So what they said, it seemed to have been that um, from the top of the car park there on the Grand Parade, that someone threw out a bag of flour. Um, I landed on that uh, person's um, shattered the windscreen of the car. Um, so she was, she was, she was driving where? It was on the Grand Parade, uh, Patricia. So she was Parade. just driving along on the Grand Parade, and somebody from a height. Yes, from the yeah, from the car park there on the Grand Parade. Um, so from a height, yeah, it must have been up. Um, up a few floors or something, and it's just threw the bag of flour um, land, and landed on the windscreen, shattered the windscreen, you know. Um, and I, I've seen, I've seen the, the photograph. I mean, it just completely shattered the windscreen, and you can see the the white flour. So it was a full, probably a one kg bag of flour. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine the weight there. Like, yeah, you know, we might have been throwing a. Might have been throwing. Might as well have been throwing a block, a stone, or something. It's crazy. You know. it's like I, you, I don't know, Patricia. Like, was it intended as a prank? Was it intended first or something? I don't know. Um, but, you know, that was the case. Like uh, as I said, um, it was yeah, it was reckless, it was dangerous, and um, your heart would go to the poor person there, that woman who was driving that car. You know, I haven't heard anything since um, since then or what happened. She must have got an awful fright. And it was yesterday evening. 
Yesterday evening, yeah, yesterday evening. Yeah, it's still. I can see. I can see it's still daylight, so it must have been. Yeah, early actually, in the evening. Yeah, it was actually Gavin there on Carpio, um that online. Um, yeah, we, was, yeah, we um, picked up. We picked up the. We picked up the photograph actually yeah, from, from he Carpio. Actually, he actually witnessed it. Like, oh, it's reckless! Just absolutely exactly. a reckless and dangerous. Absolutely. So I kind of just, and I was just making the point then to Gavin there, and I thought, yeah, make point to yourself. Remember, I don't know, had you seen it there where he had raised it? I'd raised it recently there just as an idea, you know, about that concern expressed at times about the Gala presence in the city centre, you know. Um, like I suggested there previously at the Joint Police Committee and at the most recent Cox City Council meeting, well, maybe a, a kind of a pop up guard station, maybe in the city centre, you mm-hmm. know, one of the. Unused, well, there's only one left there now, one of those unused coffee pods, you know, um, but just for a presence, for a guard, a presence and guard. Because it does act as a deterrent. You could be guaranteed if there was a guard walking around, they, whoever decided to think it would be a bit of fun to throw the bag of flour landed right on the windscreen, it wouldn't have been done if there was a guard walking around. Exactly, it would help, you know, not to say that it might, you know, it wouldn't have happened at all, but, you know, I think it just, I think it would help to have that presence um, in around the the city centre, you know, and not, not even from the policing side, but even just for, I think, it'd be, it'd be peace of mind for people in their own city centre that they see the guards on the bike, you know, on bikes, maybe on patrol, or um, it could be handy resource as well, just to have a small pop-up station there, you know, for, for the public, for tourists, you know, maybe look for information. 100%, or, 100%. You know, you could even... Yeah. You could even possibly have appointments there with community guards, you know, for people just to be available, be aware of the latest um, information coming from the guards or programmes or information or, you know, information. And people feel more comfortable about being out and about in on our city streets or in our, our towns or villages if they know that there's a guard there present. So, all right, listen, we leave it there, Mick. Thank you for Thanks. that. No and uh, that is uh, local Sinn Féin councillor uh, Mick Nugent. And actually reading on uh, Cork Bio, they said that the woman was left shaken by the incident, but thankfully she was un- injured Wednesday evening shortly before 8 a, uh, eight p.m. and the Gardaí arrived on the scene uh, swiftly and CCTV is now being looked at and a definite line of inquiry is being followed. Hopefully they'll catch whoever was responsible but good to know that that uh, young woman is uninjured but yeah, absolutely you could see how she would be shaken. And back to own brand labels. Hi Patricia Super Value tea bags are the very same as a well-known brand of tea bags. Also the sister feels that Dunstone yogurts are the same as a well-known brand of yogurts. They simply just change the label. I'm sure we heard from the gentleman earlier on the sugar fact the, on the sugar being produced in Mallow once upon a time when sugar was being produced in Mallow overhearing a woman saying oh I couldn't use that own brand sugar it's not as sweet as the Shukra sugar and it's, it came out of the very same factory and uh, it's just packaged in different bags. Hi Patricia, this is Anthony. All the delays to the NCT DOE testing makes the whole thing questionable. Has any vehicle allowed to continue being used when not checked out as requested by the government on a road safety issue could well be involved in an accident because of a fault where a local garage could do the work and send the report to the transport department, which is how it operates 
in the UK, isn't it? All the local garages, you go in there, you get your car checked and then you get your certificate and they send it off to instead of actually going into a test uh, centre. 0818103103, John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. A ladies football team for mothers and others was set up last year in West Cork and the skills of the team will now go on display at Croke Park at the Ladies All-Ireland Finals during halftime next Sunday. To talk about the Milamoos from Kilnamina in West Cork, I'm joined by one of the team members and that's Cathy O'Regan. Good afternoon to you, Cathy. Good afternoon, Patricia. Thank you so much for having having me on this morning. Well, it it, it really is our pleasure. I, now, I believe you were set up last August. I suppose talk to me a little bit about how the team came together. I will, of course, Patricia. Um, I suppose August, August of last year, August 21, um, our very own organiser, uh, Rosie O'Brien, just sent out a, a text of interest to all people in the locality of Ahiol. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with Ahiol. It's a small little community village here in, in West Cork. I know as well. Um, do you have to say yes? So to all the kind of surrounding areas, so it would be to Balnascarty, to the Kilcolman area, Balneen, Inneskeen, Kilbritney, Bridge all over. So this happened last year, August of last year. So we had 42 women that just showed up um, on, a, on a Sunday evening um, and from there it's just been, it's gone from strength to strength and we've just had, you know, um, you know, numbers increasing week after week. We've continued training since August of last year, right up to now, even during the winter, which are very good, um, you know, coach Dwayne Toomey, who has just been fabulous. So it is, I suppose, really, Patricia, it has been, I suppose, it has been a, a journey of, you know, fun, friendship, laughter, but of course, there's been there's been a lot of learning uh, of football as well. And some of us have been completely new, Patricia, to, to football. You know, it's been new for a lot of us, just the learning of it all. You know, now this this is the part that I'm fascinated about. When I first heard about your yeah. group, I assumed yeah. that all of you would have been former players, and then life took hold. No. You got married, you had your children, right. and she had to give up the football. Many of you never picked up a football before. Not at all. Not at all. And I suppose. That's what's 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 actually lovely about it, you know, is that we've all, you know, over over the years, like for for me, for example, I I would have come in from Rathbury Castle Freak originally, and there wouldn't have been a football team uh, for underage for girls at the time. There was a, you know, there was a football team for the boys, but there wouldn't have been for girls. So, you know, and a lot of us, they, you know, there would have wouldn't have been those opportunities. We may have played team sports like basketball and things like that back in the day. But the majority of us, you know, haven't played football before, haven't picked up a football. So it's welcoming of all those, you know, people that haven't played. And we've, I suppose since August of last year, we've learned so much. And even I think Dwayne would say that, like, that our football skills have started, you know, we started at scratch and we've, we've, we've come on and developed so much. And we've played, even we've played, like, we can, we're with, with the, with the Gaelic for Mothers and Others, there's specific rules that we have to go by. So we're allowed to play two matches a month. 
So we've played many, many matches, and it's just been, it's just been such a, such a positive, wonderful experience. And even like, the, like the ones of us that haven't played football before, you know, we're still going, we're still enjoying it, and we're, we're just loving it, you know. And would many of the mothers in the mothers and others group have children who play football in hurling? Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. And I suppose, again, you know, I, I would be involved with training the, the under 10 girls and a lot of a lot of the, the women, the mothers that would be, you know, part of the meal and moves, they would be helping with the, you know, training of the underage girls. And I suppose for, you know, it's, it's such a positive experience for, for the, you know, for the for the children be watching their mothers playing <laughs> matches you know it's the, the, for them to be for once kind of standing on the sideline watching us or going to blitzes watching their mothers you know it's it's a great it's it's a great it's great for them to see to see that and and hopefully it will continue to keep you know young girls and teenage girls you know in sport in whether it's football or whether it's hurling or camogie or whatever it is keeping girls you know, involved in sports because team sports is, is just is just is just fabulous, really, mm, going mm. forward. And, and I particularly love the idea of a child asking, "Mammy, can you bring me somewhere? Yeah. I can't. I'm going training." I just I, know. I love the idea of it. I, th- I think it's terrific. Is there an upper and a lower age group? Well, do you know, we have a, the the range group that we have is from twenty to fifty year olds at the moment, but there's no reason why we can't have anything above that as well. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's great. There's no age limit, you know, so yeah. it's mothers and others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And who, yeah. Do, who do you play against? Are there other many other local teams? There, well, you know, there, there's been a lot of, like, we've played a lot of kind of city teams. We played, we've played in Parky Keeve. We've played, like, over <laughs> the winter months, we played Bishoptown. We've played Ballancolic. I think uh, we, we just, we had a, a, a game just a couple of Sundays ago against Iban Gales, who would be Tim League, Barry Row area. So I've only just heard there, I'd say, in the last two weeks, there's been rental Oaks now, I think, have started up a team as well. So I think from all the social media and everything with ourselves, the meal and moves, you know, between Facebook and everything, I think other teams are kind of starting locally. So it's great. It just it just gives us such a such a, you know, such a new lease of life for us, I suppose, for us mothers, you know, that had thought that we had, you know, finished our team sports back about 20 years ago. So that we're back playing sport again. It's and a team sport because it's, it's just it's brilliant. And I, I, I can hear the excitement yeah. and the and the energy in oh. your voice. And of course, the big question now, and be honest, are you any good? <laughs> You know what? Dwayne might be the one that would answer that. But I just speaking for myself now, I just think that we are very, very good. We're we've actually become very, very competitive and everything. So I think we're quite good. And we've been commenting on different the, the blitz that we would have had in Mallow a number of weeks ago. We were told that we were we were one of one of the top teams. So we were delighted to even to even to hear that, you know, that was a another drive for us to continue. Uh, to move in the right direction upwards and onwards now going upwards and onwards next Sunday that's a huge yeah. deal to be playing in, in Croke Park tell me how that came about I suppose that came like like again go back even to August of last year somebody at our at our first training session said oh we'll be in Croke Park yet and I think we all kind of laughed we all thought it was a big joke and uh, this, I suppose, we, I suppose, the whole Croke Park thing then was was kind of driven by a, a social media campaign, where there was many celebrities that were were coaxed uh, to take part in kind of promotional videos uh, to encourage the meal and moves for Croke Park, 
and there was, there's been videos of ourselves even chanting Mila Moose for Croke Park. And I'd say we, it was driven so much that we, uh, and we were known, on, I'd say on every platform that was agreed that we would, we would play in, a, you know, in halftime at the, at the All-Ireland next Sunday. So it is just, it's just been such a, a massive, massive achievement that we thought we'd, we wouldn't, we wouldn't get it, but we, we've achieved that. So it's fabulous. It's just fabulous for, for the Mila Moose and for all of the, even the community here in Ahiol. I think everybody is 100% behind us, you know. And the excitement of running out onto the pitch next Sunday. Oh, it's, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's electric really for everybody here, I think, and everybody in the team and even for all of the, you know, Mila Moose, the Alba Plunkets in Ahiol. It's just, it's just massive. And the Mila Moose, the Moo is a reference to the amount of wonderful cows in the area, is it? Exactly. That's where that, that's where that stems from. We're surrounded by cattle, even on the training grounds. There's cattle, there's cattle all around us. There's no getting away. Uh, so Catherine says uh, the Ballyvorney mudders and udders are fabulous as well. So there's a lot of teams around, which is terrific. And, you know, and Patricia, we played them once upon a time. The Ballyvorney as well, we played those. So we've, uh, yeah, we're, we're willing to play, to play them again. Do you know who you'll play next Sunday? We don't. We oh. don't, Patricia. On the day, we'll be told. We don't even know at halftime which game we're going to be playing. But we'll, I think we'll be told on on the day. OK, all right. And are you travel up by bus or how are you going to travel? Or Some of us are travelling by car and okay. some of us are going on the, the, the train as well. So there's just great, um, and great there, and, there, and there'll be or... bonfires lit as you come back into Ahiol if you win. We We hope so. <laughs> We'll be waiting for those, I think. Listen, enjoy every single minute of it because it just sounds so, so exciting uh, as well. And it is terrific. And you're always open to new members, Cathy, you are? Absolutely. Our training is half a seven on a Sunday evening and always welcoming, even yourself, Patricia, if oh, you're interested I'd, in coming I, along I'd and joining us. If, if I lived closer, I'd be down there in a shot. Don't know how good oh. I'd be, but I'd be great on the sidelines to get you all going and to motivate you because I'm desperately we, competitive. Are uh, yeah, brilliant. We'd be delighted. We'd Listen, be delighted en- enjoy and the best of luck to everybody uh, in the in the Mila Moose, Cathy. And thanks a million for taking time out to talk and to us. Thank you so much for having us on. Take thank care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Cathy O'Regan, they're one of the players of the Mila Moose. Uh, heading to Croke Park next uh, Sunday. We don't, as I say, we don't know which of the half times they're going to be playing on, but they will be displaying just how good the Mila Moos are next Sunday. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Mark Malone is in for Nick this afternoon, and we're back with you for the final one of the week as we kick off a bank holiday weekend tomorrow at 10. On to the night, Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. On C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk. They walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 